Hi, I'm referee Mark Fralick. Thanks for joining us for episode 17 of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. My guest today is Ken McLean of Cleveland, Ohio. Ken has been a high school basketball official for 26 seasons. He also officiated collegiate basketball. He's a member of the Lake Erie Basketball Officials Association, the Northern Ohio Basketball Officials Association, the Northeastern Ohio Basketball Association, and the Greater Akron Basketball Officials Association. He has also officiated multiple, more than 10, Final Four state basketball tournament games. In this podcast, you'll hear Ken's opinion on mask wearing, the interesting story of how he removed a player from a game because, well, the player smelled. Now, that's just an introduction. I'll let you listen to the rest. It's a great story. And you'll also hear of Ken's excellent, excellent philosophical opinions about officiating and high school basketball officials. You know, this podcast is made possible each week and because of the support of our major sponsor, and that's PQ2 LLC and its owner and fellow basketball official, Matt Kearns. So please visit pq-2.com and learn more about PQ2 LLC. If you would like to advertise on the podcast, you may also email me at markfralick at hotmail.com. As Christmas approaches, if you are in the gift-giving mood, please consider a gift to help support this podcast. You can go to anchor.fm backslash mark-fralick and click on the support button. You can make a one-time gift or you can utilize the various monthly options of $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. And I thank you in advance for the gift. It's time for Ken McLean. I hope you enjoy the show. You know, with all of the stresses in today's world, it's a special feeling when you bring a guy in like Ken McLean to the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. Why, you may ask? Well, let me tell you. You know that you're going to encounter positive energy, plenty of laughter, some great stories, along with educational discussion for all of the basketball officials that are listening. And you know it's extra special because, quite frankly, it's been a long day for Ken. Uh, On this day uh, of the interview, Ken had a 3 o'clock game to officiate, a 7 o'clock game, and now it's close to 10 o'clock and we are on the interview. And so it's it's been a, a long day for you, Ken, and I'm grateful and I'm pleased that you're taking part of this podcast. So thank you. Welcome. My pleasure. Definitely my pleasure. Well, you look at the basketball season, and we were just talking a little bit before we got on here. You're just grateful to um, grateful to have some games under your belt. Talk a little bit about how you know the virus has really kind of thrown a hiccup into the season so far. Well, you know the honest uh, part about the whole thing nowadays, especially um, if there's a game, if you decide first of all that you're going to officiate because uh, I realized that a lot of the officials um, across the country have decided to opt out for this year mm-hmm. um, due to the coronavirus and, uh, and, and family and stuff like that. So, and I totally understand that. Um, but for those who do decide to officiate, um, now you want to accept every game that you can because it may be the last game that you have. Uh, 
uh, as you can tell with the uh, Ohio State Michigan game was uh, postponed, and then they tried to get Indiana to fulfill it. Then, uh, and according to what you told me, with the uh, the replacement of Northwestern for the Big Ten championship game in football, um, that now they are uh, able to fulfill that requirement of the six game season for the regular season. So uh, you know, it's definitely. Um, uh, something to think about and to consider before you uh, uh, dawn on uh, if you're going to officiate or not for this season. Yeah, are you doing anything special this year? Do you are you, uh, for instance, are you using electronic whistle, regular whistle? Are you wearing a mask? Are you not wearing a mask? Or is it just kind of status quo like last year? Well, um, I ventured off to investigate um, different um, avenues of that. Um, the electronic whistle, although it was good, I found that, you know, as, even when the uh, capacities of the gyms are not full, it just wasn't loud enough for me, yep. uh, personally speaking. And then, um, not only that, um, you know, the, um, I guess to say the least of it, you know, I wear my mask uh, every game. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've decided to do that. I have a, a bottle of hand sanitizer in my pocket. Mm-hmm that uh, along with the schools, they do have hand sanitizer. And I every game that I do, I do have the, um, uh, the administrator or the AD or whoever have someone to clean the balls off during each timeout and each end of period so that at least the balls stay clean. And uh, that's what I've been doing. But uh, to say the least, the, uh, the covers for the whistles um, worked fine if that's what you want. But I just think it looks kind of cumbersome for me. I just... I just I didn't like that. And then for the masks with the whistle holders, uh, I'll be honest with you, Mark, I definitely <laughs> could not do that. Uh, the way that thing looks, uh, I mean, it kind of looks like a pair of, of underwear on your face. And uh, matter of fact, a, a G-string jug, but I, I couldn't do it. And I just felt as though the mask that I have um, that I wear, my friend's wife um, made it for me. And it has uh, extra room in the front to hold my whistle. So that in the event that I do have to make a call and speak, the whip sits right in front of my mouth. All I have to do pretty much is open my mouth and it falls right back in place and it works great. Right. Yeah. And and I think most of us will probably agree with your with your assessment on uh, everything that you mentioned. So uh, that's great. Let's um, let's go to our pregame. And before we get to that, um, we want to hear from our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC. Hey Ref, if your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. So the pregame, we want to definitely discuss some of the things that happened before a basketball game. But before we get to that point, Ken, I, I'd like to really uh, educate our audience and, and talk ab- about your journey into officiating. I think it's an interesting story. So tell us the Ken McLean officiating story, if you would, please. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Just like all ex-athletes, we all think we know the game and we know the rules and all that because we we played but uh 
the truth of the matter is, you know, I was playing in a, in a, in a league and, uh, I didn't think that the uh, officials were calling the game correctly like we always do. And um, I thought that it was more um, um, favoritism going on versus um, us um, in the game. And uh, and I got upset because I thought that we were being cheated. And uh, um, that started my question into it. And then um, I was going to some other leagues and then some of the officials were asking me, um, to uh, that I ought to start officiating. And I was like, oh, man, no way. I'm never going to officiate. Forget that. I'm never going to do it. <laughs> and then um, there's a, a couple of veteran officials, one named Steve Sanders, uh, God rest his soul, he passed, and a couple of other fr- uh, officials, Bruce Hill and a couple of other ones, they uh, um, asked me to uh, take the referee class. So I went and uh, decided I was going to do it and take Dan Banger's referee class and uh, – I was so glad that I did because I learned so much the value of even how to become a better player because I knew the rules. And uh, it, it, it enhanced my entire ability because now I know what to do on the floor. And along with my playing and my craftiness, it, it added a, a different perspective of my game. But uh, it was definitely uh, one of those where you think that you know everything because you're a player. And as a fact left remains, we really don't know uh, – portion of what we should know as a player versus the referees who know the game. You started out in high school uh, and as a basketball official, um, and then it kind of morphed into something more. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Okay. Um, yeah, I in my first year of officiating, um, right after um, I got done with my class, um, Joe DeRosa, um, NBA official, had um, a basketball training camp that he had uh, and uh, I signed up for that every session till the time that he stopped having it and uh, that totally enhanced my abilities um, as an official because I barely knew two person nevertheless three and they were working a three-person system but they were very patient with me and um, guided me they had some of the uh, clinicians guide grab my grab me around the waist for me to know where I'm supposed to be and and what I'm supposed to be looking at. And let me tell you, that was not an easy uh, venture for someone like me because I'm like, I got like, I got one speed and it's like high octane. <laughs> so to try to catch me, to try to get me in position for me to know what I'm looking at instead of just running um, all over the floor was uh, definitely uh, uh, a challenge. But they, they did it with me and I was able to settle down and learn um, the essence of officiating. And also one of the most crucial elements that I've learned is there's a reason why God gave you one mouth and two eyes and two ears, you know, you know, listen, look, keep your mouth closed. And, and I learned that the hard way, you know, and, but it was beneficial for me. Good. Good. Do you remember your first high school game? Oh my God. Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, um, I mean, first of all, let me go back. My first junior varsity game was, uh, in, uh, Lodi. At, at Cloverleaf High School. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you remember back 26, 27 years ago when I first started, um, that was the headquarters for the Ku Klux Klan. And uh, so <laughs> for me on my way to the game, I get there and I'm talking to the, the signer who assigned me the game. And as a matter of fact, it was Dan Banjo, my instructor, and he, he kind of enlightened me. I said, Dan, where is the school? And he was telling me where how to get there. 
And then he says, hey, uh, I do want to tell you one thing I forgot to mention to you. I said, what's that? Then he says, hey, that's the headquarters for the Ku Klux Klan in Ohio. I was like, oh, God. So now I go to the game, and, uh, of course, that, that that's on my mind, but it none, nothing developed from it. Uh, the fans and the, and the people there were awesome, just great, but uh, it was a great experience for me. Yeah. You know. How about so, your first varsity game then? Do you remember that at all? Oh, yeah. My first varsity game was at North Ridgeville High School. And uh, official didn't show up on, on, on the, uh, for the game. I did the JV game. And, again, by Joe DeRosa's camps and, uh, and his clinician staff preparing me for the three-person system, um, the varsity official, official um, they decided to allow me to do it since I knew, I knew three-person mechanics. And it was, uh, it was, oh man, I tell you, butterflies and everything else that was just, it was, uh, I was nervous, but I was trying to maintain my composure just because it was my first varsity game in my own mind, you know. And uh, Dave Anthony was the one of the varsity officials that, uh, a veteran, he's retired but now, but uh, he held my hand and guided me along the way with confidence instilling in me. And I tell you what, there's other veteran officials that I've learned from that from now on, for the end of my career, I've always decided to try to help people more so than hurt them or talk bad about them when uh, they're officiating. And let me add this, Mark, too, also. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned, and, and this is just my take on things um, about officiating, I really don't think that there's bad officials. You know, I really don't. Because my my take and my optimism and, and the, the positive, my PMA which is, which is the positive mental attitude of things is like this. There are some officials who have better experience than others, some officials who have been trained better than others. So to me, it's not a fact that they're bad. It's just that they lack the training or the wherewithal or even maybe someone to pull them to the side and say, hey, there's a better way to officiate that player, to get this angle, to work here, to do that. And I think that in my mind, that's why I always try to help everyone and including we have a training that uh it's called the cleveland pro-am that we've been having for the last 14 years that um i'm in charge of with the officials Hmm. and uh if you want i can get to that later on but i'm just saying and i i help try to help any and every official that i can um that 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 partakes in wanting to get better and reach their goals well that's a great program and um I, I I really agree with you there is a a lot of good officials and a lot of them do receive some excellent mentorship and we talk about things that happen early in officials career try to reflect back a little bit and tell us about some lessons that you learned early in your officiating career that really had an impact on you Okay well the one that really stands out uh I was working uh, a game with uh, John Whitson. Um, he's down in, uh, I think he lives in the southern part of Ohio. And the one of the most important things that he instilled in me, the values that he gave me was about opening up my mind to see what the other officials are calling and also to allow myself to be similar, not just lock in on what I want to call or what I'm used to calling, but also to adapt to what the crews are calling because you're going to refer to different people and different judgments and different expectations, different experience levels. So all that being considered, um, it allowed me to sit back and, and now take in the calls that my partners were calling. Now I can, as a referee, not as an official, but as a referee, I can make that adjustment 
within the element of my officiating throughout that game to call what my partners are calling. So now we have similar plays on similar calls. And when necessary, the exact same plays and calls and no calls will make the game consistent. Now that sets the parameters for the, the, the players, the coaches, and now everyone knows how the game is going to be called. So all they have to do from that point on is just play. How about your uh, college career? Uh, you had a, a college career as well. Um, maybe you still do. I, I'm not quite sure. But uh, talk a little bit about that if you'd like to and, and, and how that helped develop you as, as an official. Oh, man, that was – wow. That's, that's a, a journey because that's the level of uh, – you know, when you go from uh, – it's like going from junior high school to high school or from high school to college. Um, the difference in the, the skill set and the level of openness that you're going to reach where people are – you're getting the best of people from different states and different areas. So now you get to compete and compete and pitch yourself – to see some of the areas of concerns that you may have about your about yourself, if you're honest with yourself, that you need to work on. And uh, I've learned in that whole thing to adapt to uh, what the officials, I mean, what other officials were doing better than me. And I had to be honest with myself. And that's one of the things that we as a, officials do not do. We're not honest with ourselves to the point where we always get to the point where, hey, you know what? It's easy to sit back and make an excuse or complain that somebody else is getting something that I'm not getting and sit back and say, well, they can get a reason where all oh, this person is political or there was a, a racial bias toward things or, or this person was friends with this person is the reason why he got hired and I didn't get hired. And for me, I realized some things that I needed to work on for myself. So I didn't rely on any of this, the excuses or anything like that. And uh, I had some great mentors, um, Greg Shields, uh, was one of the persons that opened up my eyes to that ability. Uh, he he referees and uh, um, and now he he referee. He's a, a play-by-play in the NFL booth. Mm-hmm. But uh, the value that he gave me about you know not looking at what someone else is getting, but concentrate on my own abilities and and what I can do for myself to get better, allowed me to stay focused on the on the trail that on the, on the trail and my own journey. Instead of looking at what Mark Mark has this game or he's able to go here and get this college and all that stuff now, I can just work on if I'm knowing the clock, if I'm knowing the game time situation. Um, am I watching the refereeing the defense? Am I am I aware of what my partners are calling? Am I learning how to communicate with coaches? There are so many aspects to officiating. It's it's amazing that um, that we're able to grasp all these things with all these rule changes and still go out and do our job the best we can. And I, and I love it. Since we're in the pregame sex, section of uh, the podcast, let's talk a little bit about what you talk about in the pregame uh, with the other officials. Well, the first thing, and, and I go more so for the meat potatoes of officiating uh, on my in my pregame, um, a lot of officials go in, they'll they'll start off, especially in high school, they'll start off, oh, well, you know, we got the black line all the way around and this and that, this and that. But for me, um, again, and I'm not name dropping, but I'm just telling you the truth on the things and people that I've learned from. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Eck always said there's, there's obvious and absolutes. 
and I, I I love that philosophy, and I'm I'm a I'm very philosophical in my officiating because it allows that that the the intelligence of the game to be used by the mind um, to see plays as they develop and be one or two steps ahead of the play as it's going because you're you're ready for that preparation for whatever happens. Either way, you'll 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 be able to like they say, watch the play, start, develop, and finish, and then come out with an assessment of a call or no call. So um, the pregame for me is one of which, you know, we talk about crew consistency, um, what we're calling, what we're not going to calling, what we're not going to call, the obvious and absolute, what are fouls, you know, the the two hands on the dribbler, the extended arm bar, um, you know, chucking the quarters in the post, um, post play, um, you know, the, what happens when we have a, a hard foul or an intentional foul or a technical foul, you know, um, as a crew, um, are we going to allow coaches to um, say, oh, well, you know, Mark is not calling that down there. He's a horrible effing referee and blase, blase. And then I'm going to say, oh, come on, coach, you got to get back in your bench instead of giving him a technical foul for abusive language and, and disrespecting my partner. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the loyalty for me, because I don't care nothing about no coaches and anyone that knows me and knows how I officiate. Um, for me, I'm here for the game. You know, um, the coaches, the players, we have to coexist. So they have to be a rapport. They have to be a respect given, but also they have to be a respect taken. You know, so um, in that regards, the line is always drawn the same for me. I don't care if it's a, a very popular coach versus a small school coach uh, from a, a small school. Everyone gets the exact same courtesies of communication if I can. And if I can't, then you'll get a warning. And then if need be, you'll get a technical file. And for me, a technical file is just like a travel. It's just like a, a three-second call. It's just like a comment file. It's just two shots in the ball. It's not one that I got to go break my fingers because I'm upset and I've lost my concentration and focus on the game because now it's become personal for me you know, with this coach, but instead of being a professional and, and calling it just like as any other play. That's going to be a nice segue into our first quarter. So we will take a quick break. We're going to head to the first quarter and this is being brought to you by PQ2 LLC. And here is its owner, Matt Kearns. Hey ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio. And I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq-2.com. So the first quarter, we talk about crew and communications, or uh, coaches and communications. And uh, we always like to know... um, Ken, what is some of the most beneficial things that you do during a game that have worked for you in dealing with coaches? Well, I'll be honest with you. 
I guess I want to be respectful when I say this, but officiating isn't for everyone. And the reason why I'm saying that is there, you have to have the personality and the characteristics that fit the ability to be able to communicate in an intense environment without you losing your composure and maintaining your sense of, of professionalism and keeping things in a not personal way, but a professional way. So um, that, that to me is one of the most important um, essence of that. And also consider this, they are representing their team and you have to come in with the mindset of understanding the coach, these, these coaches want the best for their team and they're gonna be pushing and pulling for their team. And sometimes they may say things to you that didn't really happen, but they're looking for something down the road or expecting you to give them a call or, or something like that because they're, they're engaged in the game because they want to win. So we as officials have to know that coming in and utilize our, our own reverse psychology within ourselves to be like and understand, hey, you know, these coaches just want the best for their team. And some of the things that they say are not disrespectful. Some of it, do not want technical fouls, but some of it, you know, some coaches just like to talk. But then again, there's others that love, like to talk a little bit too much, and they they complain about every play. And those are the ones that you have to understand to establish the communication with them to say, hey, coach, in order for me to officiate not just your game, your plays, but the other team's plays correctly, you have to allow us to officiate the game. You know, I mean, we can't come and explain every call to you. But when there's an opportunity to communicate with you, we will. And one thing I've learned, Mark, I never try to explain my partner's call. Never. Any specific stories in dealing with a coach that might help the officials that are listening where you are able to um, oh, use communication to uh, maybe talk them down a little bit? Oh, my God, man, where do I start? <laughs> there's a lot of those. <laughs> well... Um, I, I will say this, um, and, and, and respectfully to the coaches, honestly, they do mean well. Mm -hmm. And they, they mean well um, for the sake of the goodness of theirs, because they're representing not just their, and just like us as officials, and just like the players, and everyone else that's involved in scholastic sports. We represent not just our namesake and our families, but we represent you know the schools, the communities, and our churches and everything else when we go out and, and, and put ourselves in, in that social structure of sports because everything is recorded nowadays. Everything is on social media, on YouTube, and and all and Zoom and, and everything like that. Um, so our whole embodiment of who we are is on display. So uh, for me, with, with coaches, I, I, I know for a fact that I try to meet them where they are. And uh, there was one particular instance that I know that the coach, I, I'll be honest with you, he did not tell the truth on the situation. He he, he kind of told a lie. And I knew that he was telling a lie about it. And he went back and he told the AD that uh, there was a situation that happened uh, on the floor with his player that did not occur. And um, I had to send a letter um to the, to the school, to the principal, and I always, everything that I do, I inform the OHSAA about it. And I sent a letter to the OHSAA and, and uh, letting them know what transpired in, on that particular situation, that particular game. And also, uh, when truth came out, you know, everything is written. When they watched the game tape, that did not occur. So now he had to apologize, and I got an apology from the school and, and the AD 
uh, because what they claimed happened did not happen. Mm. Have you ever had a, a coach come up to you prior to a game and, and tell you uh, maybe some of the things that, that they saw on film about the opposing team, like, you know, these guys like to push in the post or they like to flop a lot? And, and how do you handle that with a coach? Well, more often uh, than you think that occurs because, like I said, especially everything now, everybody watches tapes on everybody and, and they will, in their own minds, they think that they're doing the right thing by informing us on what they saw on those videos of that team. But by the same token, if one, the visiting team will do it, the home team will do it. So now we got both teams saying that they have tendencies of the other team. But for us as officials, and I always tell them this, Coach, we're here to officiate both teams. And I said, and if that particular play happens, I'm quite sure our crew will call it consistently throughout the whole game, just as well as it happened down on the other end. It's going to be called the exact same way. So allow the play to happen, allow the game to happen. And, and you know, we don't need a especially um, a pregame analysis from a coach because now – if he's allowed to plant that seed in our minds, now we're going to call that three seconds that he won. And he's going to be happy, and he's going to think that that's the way it's supposed to be done. So guess what's going to happen to the next crew? He's going to go and tell our next crew, hey, uh, the crew that I had with Ken McClain and Mark, they, uh, they, I told them about the three seconds. They were calling it. So I just want to let you guys know that, hey, you got you to gotta, you gotta call that three seconds. But in essence, you know, if you nip it in the bud and allow him to be the professional that he's supposed to be, and and inform him that that's not that, that that's not the information that that he's supposed to be giving us, and that he's here to coach his team, not coach the officials. That's an excellent point, uh, and that also puts the end to our first quarter. We're going to head to the second quarter, but not before we hear from Matt Kearns and PQ Two LLC. Hey, ref, objectivity, integrity, and experience. All hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customer's successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. Our second quarter deals with players and communication, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that I've seen this year uh, on film. And it's funny we just got talk, done talking about watching film, and and some of the things that I've noticed on film and also in game this year during the games that I've had is is I've noticed more complaining. And uh, from the players, more visual, um, oh, uh, hand gestures—not negative hand gestures, but more hand gestures uh, during the game, disagreeing with calls. Uh, do you address the players when this happens? Do you take it to the coach? What's your philosophy on handling that? Well, again, um, I, I have to be honest with you, Mark. A lot of that stems from what they see on TV mm-hmm. and the professional ranks. Yep. You know, um, they're not allowed to do that in college. Um, but when when they see these professionals do, the, I mean, 
with their arm gestures on traveling or he fouled or he pushed or I mean their arms up in the air like 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 hey what what was that with both arms up in the air hey where's the foul where's the foul and I, I gotta say this Mark and you know it's true the dreaded saying and uh, every official hears it and they can go to sleep because it's still in their ears and, and one, one. Ref, <laughs> and one you know and, and that goes whether they hit the shot or not and it goes whether they shoot the shot or not it's and one ref and one you know and and especially in the higher level with the NBA and stuff like that because they're trying to fool the officials. You see how much head throwbacks that they do acting mm-hmm. like they're getting killed when they're dribbling the ball. Yep. And then now that tends to leave them jumping, initiating contact into a legal defender where it's not enough for an offensive foul, but they throw themselves into the offensive I and mean, the defensive player. Now they want to foul. Oh man, there was contact in my game today. My, my game today at three o'clock, exact same thing. Oh, the offensive players kept jumping into the defenders and the defenders just actually just blocking their shot. And it wasn't enough. We did have numerous offensive foul because they threw themselves into the uh, legal defender that was uh, legally um, set on the floor. Mm-hmm. But um, all all of all of that being considered, I just think that we need to, um, again, address things. It, it takes away the referees have a hard enough time trying to get the plays correct as it is. You know, we don't need the, the the head throwback and the fakes and the flops that they've been doing um, lately these last couple of years. It, it's, it's, it should not be a part of our game. And I, I hope that one day that uh, we'll be able to add that in as a warning or or a technical foul or something because that they're trying to fool the officials. is It, it makes the game harder as enough uh, on us. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, and uh, because this this section is about players and communications, uh, do you take the time during a dead ball to go back and talk to those players at all, and kind of give them not necessarily a warning, but just kind of talk to them about what they're doing? One hundred percent. I think that that is a needed entity again and communication. You know, because sometimes you have to understand. Sometimes the players may not know, and we being officials. We, we are a part of the game, and I think that we need to, again, um, be able to have that ability to communicate with players and say, hey, you don't want to stick your knees out that far from your body frame because you already said you had a great legal guarding position for that screen, but once you stick your knees out and now the player trips over your leg, it's going to be a foul on you, you know. And, and, you know, moving across the lane in the post, you know, telling them, hey, you know, you got to move in and out that lane. You can't just stand in there, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying because, again, I think that the communication part of that part of the game is is lost. And I think we should do more than just call fouls and violation and infractions. I think that one of the major parts that we should have is that communication because these are young adults. They're young players. And I think that if we continue to teach them to have a good rapport with us, they'll, they won't be so sh- – shied away from or not willing to communicate with us because we can we can have something that we may be missing we may be missing something where number 22 is grabbing uh 32's jersey and we may not see it so instead of him retaliating he or she will come up to us and say hey ref he's grabbing on my jersey can you please take a look at it instead of saying hey just get down there and play the game don't worry about that instead of say okay hey you know what i'll notify my crew and we'll take a look at it and say thanks for telling us you see what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. communication goes both ways. And I think that's respectful. 
for the players and for the officials and the coaches because now it allow us uh, a back and forth communication with one another uh, that is much needed in this game. Well, that's great stuff, Ken. I appreciate that. And we are going to take a halftime break right now, so we will be right back after we hear this from Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref, this is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts, and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Welcome back for the third quarter. In the third quarter, we talk about officials, communications, crew dynamics. But before we get to the questions, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC want to tell you this. Hey, ref, rule one, section A, article three, in the project management rule book says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. I think that the nature and characteristics of, of and the personalities of the officials is one of which that we can um, have the ability to communicate because I've, I've, and unfortunately I've ran across some partners that I've had that it's very difficult to communicate with them. Um, some of which, because they, they, I don't want to say is they, the I and team is not there, but um, they're on the Island. They referee their game and to them, Hey, I'm doing my one third of the game or the, or the coverage areas. Uh, primary coverage areas, and you do your one third. The other official can do his one third. But in reality, that's not officiating because, as you know, this basketball is a game of angles. So the pregame communication, where I could be right on the play and standing there and still miss it. It depends on if the player spins away from me, or if someone jumps in front of me, or if I don't move my feet as that play is moving to maintain my angle to see between the offensive defensive player that I need to, and to anticipate um, a missed shot or a rebound instead of bailing out going the other way, all those crucial elements that we used to communicate um, as a crew so that when something happens on the floor, for the most part, you know, it's, it's, we're not going to get everything 100%, but for the most part, we should have some familiarity and knowledge on, uh, on what happened on a particular play. All right, the third quarter begins, and we talk about officials. We talk about the communication with officials. We did. We talked a little bit about this beforehand, but I want to dive into this a little bit more. 
but the first thing I want to talk about here is a listener question. Uh, this is from an official in Bismarck, North, North Dakota, uh, and he asks this question. Uh, I'm starting my sixth year of officiating and have loved almost every minute of it. This will be my second full year of varsity, and one thing I'm running into is scheduling conflicts, mainly when different levels uh, games when different level games are offered and I'm already scheduled. Uh, the way I was raised tells me that if you give us if you give your word on something, you stand by it. But a couple of officials have told me that it's okay to give up games if you're offered a higher level of a game, just looking for an impartial third party opinion. So I'll take that to you, Ken. Um, say you've got a, a, a guy who's got a JV game. He has, has his varsity license and he's offered to do a varsity game. Uh, what's, what's your thought on that? Uh, can he get a varsity or JV official to substitute for him? Let the AD know or, or let the assigner know and then go and, and do the varsity opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a part of the system. And that's where, if you remember earlier in the interview, I had said about officials' goals and aspirations for our training that we have. Mm -hmm. um, that's a part of it because you want to aspire. Every official, when they don that black and white striped shirt, should have a goal in mind because that'll keep you inspired. That'll keep you devoted. That'll keep you wanting to learn. It'll keep you wanting to get better. It'll, it'll keep you wanting to be able to get along with your brothers and sisters officials. And it'll keep you wanting to get along with the coaches and, and deal with the players. And now you become that third party, that major entity of the game, instead of you being the game. You're not the game, you know. So that part of understanding who we are is very crucial. So for me, especially when it comes down to the, uh, to the abilities of being able to communicate uh, whether I want a, a varsity game, of course I want a varsity game. So now this is just the system that we have in place. I would take, I would ask the assigner, whoever that assigner was before I accept that varsity game, if I had a JV game that particular day, is it, and I'll call him, I would, in our, in our website, um, say for example, the Cleveland association that I'm a part of, we can go on our website, see what potential officials are open that day. Um, that's why they always tell you to keep your schedule up to date on the websites mm -hmm. so that when there's an official needed, that it's easy to go down the list of officials that open that particular day that you can get your list. Then because some officials, some assigners um, have a, a different taste of official that they like and don't like. So if that they want, if that official works for that assigner already, or even if he doesn't work for him, the assigner may say, Hey, uh, I like that official. I may not like that official. And you say, well, okay, here's the list that I have. And I have seven officials that show open for that game. And here's the names. And then you give them the names and all of a sudden he goes, okay, try this official, that official, and that official. If they're open, um, call me and let me know. And then uh, that's, the, that's the protocol. You want to call that signer with the list official first. You don't want to call that official that show open because that assigner might not want that official working for him. Mm-hmm. In, in their conference. So there is a, a protocol that you should adhere to. So that, again, you know, call the assigner and give him the list of officials that you have that show open for that day, then allow him to choose the ones that may potentially accept that game, then go ask the official if he, if he 
is truly open because again, we're human beings and a lot of times we show open on particular dates, but we're not. Because sometimes we just forget or we thought we did or whatever. And 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 the signers know this more than anything, because they'll call it or send their official a game, hey, you show open on this game, this date, and uh are you open to accept this game? And they'll say, Well, no, I got a game that day, I can't accept it. Because again, we didn't update our schedule uh, when we got a game for that particular day. But again, but that is the protocol. You know, contact the assigner with the list of officials. Then once the assigner okay approves the list of officials that you have, then contact the officials one at a time to see if they're open. Then once they are open, then you then you contact the assigner says, hey, Mark said he's open on on uh, December the 18th to accept that varsity game. Um, and then they'll say, okay, I'll remove you from that, and then I'll I'll replace you with Mark. That's that's the proper etiquette. But you never you never want and and let me say this too, Mark. I have to admit this. There's a way to communicate in a professional manner with the signers. You know, um, you can't just go out and get your own replacement for that game. You know, if the signers say, hey, get a replacement, then fine. Ask him first. But then you, you should have, again, the courtesies extended to the assigner. He would appreciate it a lot more if you have the list already ready. And then he choose one official or two or three or four of them that, uh, that you had on the list. And then now everything is good. Everything is fine. Um, you, you got the fish that you need, you got a replacement and you can go up to that higher level game to take that game without having to worry about, um, well, I left this assignment hanging and, uh, uh, my mom, my dad taught me and I respect that. I, I really do because that shows a man that has the value that is a dying thing nowadays where a man word is his bond or a person's word is their bond. And, and that shows the, I got to give that official credit, but he, I don't, I feel as though he don't have to lock himself in on those particular dates to allow the system to be utilized properly. And then he can go off and, and uh, work a higher level game if he so chooses. Yeah. I like that. I like to see that eagerness. Um, and, and I think his main thing was, you know, is it, is it okay? Um, if you're, if you're already scheduled a JV or a freshman game, is it okay to take the varsity opportunity? And, and I think what you're saying is as long as you cover all your bases and do it in a particular order, um, t- getting that opportunity is a, is a good thing. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, let's talk a little bit about officials and what, what can we do as officials? You know, we talked about how important it is to have a good pregame, but during the game, uh, what can we do to improve how we officiate together as a crew. That is the end of our third quarter. We're going to head to the fourth quarter, but first, let's hear from PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at wwwpq 2 Dot com to learn how we've earned our stripes. 
Fourth quarter is a variety of questions and scenarios, and so let's talk about our first scenario that a lot of people are familiar with that listen to the podcast. The game is tied in the fourth quarter, 60-60. to There's five seconds to go in the game. Team A has the ball out of bounds underneath their own basket, and they have called the timeout. What are you and your partners going to be talking about during that timeout? Points scored. I mean, points needed to score. And also, for me, I always go by this. Possession, who has the next possession arrow? We talk about that as a crew. Also, we talk about the team file set. Are we in the bonus? Uh, Which teams are in the bonus? Um, The play scenarios of if it's a two-point like I know what you said about if it's a two point basket that's needed or a three that's needed, mm-hmm. you know, all that has to do with the coverage areas of the officials to help each other out, to get the play right. And to make sure that that shot was off in time. Uh, and, and that's a crucial element in officiating. That's why, again, communication is essential. And I think that, again, I must say, admit the, the characteristics and the personalities of who we are has to be um, uh, brought into this. Because again, if 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 you're on that island and you officiate, you fish, you don't want to buy fishing in your pond. No matter what you say, you're gonna your your career is gonna one day sooner or later come into a bind, because you, you're not gonna uh, you're gonna miss something, and your partner's not gonna come and get it because you're so set on don't call in my area. So now we're gonna miss a play because we don't want to come in your area to to not get a call. When actuality. Our confines of the game starts when we leave the confines on the floor and then when we come onto the uh, on the court at the beginning of the game. So um, our job is to officiate the game the best we can as a crew. So for me, regardless to what someone will say, hey, don't call nothing in front of me because there's no way in the world Kenny McClain is going to get every call right without the help of my brothers and sisters. There's no way. So I need you just as well as you all need me during those games. So that last play scenario is crucial in every every asset because that team, of course, they, they want us to get that play right. And for us to get the play right, we need to be on the same page. When you look at your nice long career, what are some of the games that you remember the most that you were uh, are, were a part of as an official? Well, again, I, I'm, I'm more affectionate and, and sensitive of an official, and I think I'm more in tuned to life itself than most people um, because of, of my philosophical ways. And I want to say this, and there was a young man by the name of Emmanuel Smith. Um, he played for Euclid High School. He was Mr. Basketball. And uh, I, I had him. He played um, Benedictine High School one night, and he played Shaker Hike. I think it was Shaker the next night. The, the, the Benedictine game, I think he had like, 48, 49 points or something like that. Wow. Then the Shaker game, he ended up having a high 40s, 35, 40 some points a game. And to me, for his size, and he just, he never, ever had anything bad. He was never an attitude. He was just a, a gifted young man. And uh, unfortunately, that um, he got caught in a situation uh, when he was at college and, and someone ended his life mm. um, on a robbery situation. But, um, to me, those are the people that I remember, and it has touched my life. Um, but he's one of them, and Le- uh, LeBron James is another one, mm-hmm. me having the, the ability to referee his games. And uh, Melvin Levitt is another ca- kid. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, there's a, a lot of them um, 
uh, that uh, players for me that um, I look back and and I see. Uh, oh, Samika Randall, another one from from the girls uh, uh, side of it. Um, you know, as as Simone Red. I mean, um, Simone Jelks. Um, a lot of females um, that have to me uh, set themselves apart uh, because the heart met the talent and uh, the Billies was there and, and, and God bless them. I, I, I was, it's really been entertaining. I've had the best seat in the house for the last 27, 26, 27 years of me being officiating and I've enjoyed every bit of it with my, the partners and the crews and the value for me. One last thing I want to tell you this, um, forget the awards, forget the, the, the accolades and all that stuff. The most valuable asset you're going to have are those times shared in those games. When you in these small gyms and it's packed in there and and you have the uh, Friday night high school game and it's going down to the wire back and forth and your partners are all on the same page and you're enjoying this 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 high impactful moment and after that game is over with 27 years ago I have numerous games like in, in my career that I've seen that I that I hold dear to my heart and to me, that's the best value I have is my partners and the, and the history of our memories that I have with each one of those officials that we enjoyed ourselves. That's, that's, forget the money, forget the, the trophies and the plaques, the memory of sharing times with my brothers and sisters that we had that game and we did this, we did that, the laughs, the great games, the memories. Those are the things that's a value. That's a value. You know that won't corrupt. I mean, it, it won't. It won't uh, fade. It won't break off and break because of the plaque or trophy. Uh, the glue doesn't come apart. The only thing that comes is you take that to your grave and understand that for that point in time in my life, I enjoyed refereeing with Mark and we shared a great time together. That's what sports is all about. What's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you during a game, whether it is? Possibly off the court. Maybe it was on the court. Maybe it was with a fan, a coach, or a player. Well, I, I must admit, uh, and I know Brad Sellers uh, from Warrensville will tell you the same thing, but uh, his senior year, uh, he and uh, Charles Oakley was playing at, at our high school, at John Hay High School in Cleveland. And it was a good game uh, down to the fourth quarter. Uh, it was like a minute and 21 seconds ago in a game. And it, all of a sudden, you hear, I mean, pow, pow, pow hmm. in the gym. Someone came in the gym with a gun and, and shot it. And that was the end of the game. Wow. We never even finished the game. So for me, that was the most memorable thing that I can remember. Um, uh, uh, I know that uh, Bob Nance and Dred Coleman and everyone else uh, – and, and Brad Sellers that, that played uh, for John Hay that that particular day. I don't know if I remember that now, but I remember it. And yeah, I'll never forget that. Wow. And that was Brad Sellers and, and Charles Oakley. They played against each other. And those two ended up playing for the Bulls, didn't they? Correct. Yeah. When you look at officiating, what do you gain from it professionally? Oh, man. I'll I tell you what. Um, again, if, if you utilize things – Bruce Lee has a, a saying that says, absorb what is useful. If you, if you utilize um, the human side of officiating and what it does for you as a person, and what I mean by that is it, it allows us to be able to engage 
with other human beings and other people that we may never met. I'm not. I'm, I'm saying just from the standpoint of of the athletic directors, players, coaches, fans, whoever. You know, I've had different parents come and tell me, my daughter said that, that uh, you were her favorite referee. Mm-hmm. Well, my son said that you were her favorite referee. And the thing about it is, it's not that I did anything specifically for that one individual outside of treating them with respect and telling them, hey, man, that was a good try on that shot or that was a good block or, hey, congratulations on this and this and that, this and that. And that's something that I think that the communication part of it, it reward is rewarding uh, for someone like me. And I know um, the professionals that I've seen officiate uh, say like, uh, you know, Tim Gephardt, um, you know, uh, the, the, the quality of character of people like that, that, you know, um, he goes out and does what he's supposed to do by rule. And he knows how to communicate with people. And I'm just using him as an example. I can use, I can call a thousand officials to that, that, that is that way. But again, for me to be able to look, um, and see how they do things and see how they communicate, um, with the, uh, situation at hand is very important um, and crucial in officiating. That is the end of our fourth quarter. We're going to head to the post game and that's going to be a lot of fun. We just have a few questions in the post game, but first we're going to hear from PQ2 LLC. That is over by your area, uh, Ken, and uh, it's officials uh, and it's, and the official uh, that runs that business is Matt Kearns, also from Northeast Ohio. Hey ref, good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. So we begin the post game and again there's only a couple of questions on this uh, but I think they're uh, probably the first one is is what we have hit on before throughout this podcast and that's in the brother and sisterhood of officiating. And, and really that's kind of the best parts of, of putting on the stripes. And uh, a lot of times, you know, we've got not necessarily this year, but we've got trips to the games together. We have the post game destination um, restaurants or wherever Um, we've got drives home from the game and from post game. Really, it's, it's probably some of the best parts of officiating. So talk a little bit about that if you would, and, and some of the, maybe offer a a few examples of, of where that brother and sisterhood is in motion. Well, you know, that again, uh, that leads to, again, the enjoyment of what you're doing, you know, um, something that's well, that's worth working for is worth having. So, if you working to uh, for the betterment uh, of the crew and for the betterment of the game without undertaking any selfish uh, uh, no, notations of any of something or something like that for yourself. Um, and I'm going to tell you this for all the younger officials to middle tier officials that, you know, if, if you aspire to become a good official, 
the one thing you definitely want to do is respect each other, respect other officials. And even if you see someone talking negative or bad about an, another official or something like that, just don't get, just don't engage in it. Don't involve yourself in it. You know, allow them to say what they're going to say without your opinion. You don't, you don't need that, you know, because I'm going to tell you something that play that that official might've missed or, or, or may not have had a good judgment on it or, or, it might have been a no call and some people's judgment that should have had a call on it. You know, if we make a mistake in the game, we're not doing that on purpose. Let me tell you, I, we have not doing that on purpose. It was a, it was a, a, a play that we didn't have a good angle on or, or we just didn't see it or we just didn't have the experience level to be able to officiate that, officiate that play properly. So the easiest thing in the world to do is pile up on each other. We don't need that. We, we, we shouldn't have that. Uh, we should be more supportive of one another because you think about it, it's only us three on the floor and it's only our officiating body. I don't care about what the sports, you know, what sport it is, but the easiest thing in the world to do is, is point fingers and talk bad about each other and this and that, this and that. But it's even more helpful and beneficial and it shows these people, hey, because I have called, we've had officials who used the wrong size ball in the game and and everyone was talking about them and stuff like that. Oh, man, you see what so-and-so did in that game? Used the wrong ball and this and that. I've called them and told them, hey, that could happen to any one of us. You know, hey, we all make mistakes in the game. We all fall short. We, we never referee a perfect game. And that play on that call that everybody thinks cost them the game did not really cost them the game. Because if you go back and look at the stat sheet, the missed rebounds, the missed free throws, the turnovers – the, the sometimes I, I got to say this: the bad substitutions that are are put into the games. Uh, if that player has come in and hit three or four three pointers, and all of a sudden you take them out, put someone else in, and then you wonder, man, what? Where's we had twelve points in this quarter? Now we only got this. Well, you took the shooter out. So there's elements that involve into the game that I think that we need to consider before we jump on um, the bandwagon to jump on our brother and sister's official. Be more courteous. We need to support each other. Think of it, our referee world is, is a dying breed. You know, um, so many officials opted out this year and may not come back. They may just retire and may not come back. We need more officials. You know, this was my first year instructing a referee class. And let me tell you, it was challenging as all get up. But <laughs> I'm, I stuck with it. I'm still sticking with it. And I'm trying to enhanced to bring in more officials that we can have officials that want to succeed and, and not be discouraged because of the fans are wanting to jump on them and, and verbally abuse them or, or coaches talking bad of them or our own brothers and sisters are talking bad of our own officials instead of helping them. That's crucial. Yep. Well, we are going to uh, skip a couple of questions. We're a little short on time, so we're going to go right to the five quick decisions. So we'll be right back. Hey Ref, PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Officials cite relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. 
our five quick decisions. We uh, we enjoy this part because it's kind of a, a lighthearted uh, list of questions, and I think you're probably going to have some good stories on a couple of these. Um, as you know, uh, sometimes, at least in our parts of Ohio, we're uh, we're fed, and I've talked to some guys uh, outside of the state that they don't get food all of the time. But prior to this year, anyways, we would finish a game, and maybe they would bring in hot dogs and popcorn or. Uh, some places do a little extra things, but in thinking back at your career, what is some of the favorite foods that you have received at basketball games? Oh my God. I'll never forget the, the best one. I, I, I was refereeing up at Painesville River. I mean, Painesville Harvey high school. And, um, Oh my God. They, they had a, a, a spread. There's a, an official, he had a, a business, a catering business that he worked for them. And they had a spread for the officials. Oh, Mark. Oh, my goodness. They had <laughs> shrimp. These huge giant shrimp, man, as big as your fist. And uh, they had shrimp and, and um, all kind of pasta, meatballs. Um, oh, man. I, I sat there and ate and had a plate to go. I mean, and, and these and they had delicious uh, 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 just uh, peach cobbler. Oh, my goodness, man. It was Whew, that was a spread. Then you have some schools, they'll give you hot dogs and chips, or they'll give you a Chick-fil-A sandwich and a, and a drink to go. And some of them have candy bars and a towel. I mean, and and all that is totally appreciative yep. for the officials um, by by the school administrations. And we duly, duly appreciate that because uh, it shows um, a human element to being courteous to the officials. And we appreciate it. Totally agree, and you know, uh, I keep telling people, get a Ziploc baggie, put it in your bag that you do that you come to the game in, and and if you get popcorn, put the popcorn in that Ziploc baggie. It'll save you a headache from picking up popcorn in your car on the way home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's one rule that you could change in high school basketball, what would it be? I I would love to have a shot clock in high school. Really? Well, I understand the different venues don't have it because, uh, you know, it's hard to get people to want that can do it the right way all the time yeah. um, to hire because you have to pay someone to, to, first of all, to get a shot clock. A lot of schools can't afford with their budgets to implement a shot clock in their, in their, on their scoreboard and on, and in their backboards and stuff like that. But I think that them being able to force to uh, have to move the ball and get a shot up instead of hold, running the clock out it keeps the game going and as a, an excitement element to the game, that, that that's, I, that's one thing that I think that I would love to see. What do you think is the most misunderstood rule from coaches and fans? Well, uh, a lot of people may say it's a black charge, but I don't really think the black charge play is the toughest. I think, especially nowadays, the travel call is probably because with, with everything that they see on TV from the crab dribble to the air dribble, to the Eurostep, to the whatever else you want to say. <laughs> and for us in high school, um, you know, if you're holding that ball and you move both feet, it's a travel. So the last two questions are funny things that people said. So which tell me first which one you think is the funniest story. Don't tell the story yet, but which one? We'll save that one for the last one. So the funniest thing a fan said to you, or the funniest thing a player and coach ever said to you? Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I, and I, I'm, I'm not going to mention the school. Right. But during a game that I had, 
I'm running down the court. After the jump, we're running down the court. And as I'm running, I'm smelling something. I'm like, what in the world is that? Jesus Christ, that stinks. It is ripe. So and I'm, and then I run down the other end of the floor. I'm still smelling what? And I'm looking at my shoes and seeing if I'm stepping in some, some boo-boo or something. You know, I'm like, what in the world is going on? You know, and all of a sudden, we go down transition. We're shooting free throws. And everywhere I go, I'm smelling it. So there was a timeout. And I told my partner, I said, hey, man, you guys, are you smelling something up and down the court? And it's like, yeah. And I'm like, man, I, that that is ripe. I said, you know what? Hey, man, you know, one of these players are up here. They're they're passing gas on the court, man. I, I said, I got to find out who it is because I'm not going to be running through this green film the whole game. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Mark, I'm telling you, it was so bad, dude. It made my eyes water. I mean, and it put a nasty taste in my mouth. I'm I'm almost ready to start spitting. To it, to it, to it. Because it was so bad, you know. And all of a sudden, we go down this, the, uh, my partner calls a foul. We go down there. I'm scanning the court and looking to see if I can see who who did it. All of a sudden, I see this player. He's standing there. And all of a sudden, he lets it go. And you can see the release in his eyes. He's like, oh. And I was that. I, I, after the free throw was made, I blew my whistle, and I came up to the player and I said, "Hey, man, you have to go." So I went over to the coach and said, "Coach," I told my partners, "Hold up a second. I said, "Coach, you have to take number thirteen out." He goes, "Why? What did he do?" I said, "Hey, man, he's been passing gas. He's been farting the whole time during this game, and I'm tired of running through it. And he's killing our crew. And it, 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 take him, let him go to the bathroom, and then put him back in." I said, "This is this is it, it's it's beyond." reasonable and then he goes oh the coach goes i've never heard nothing like that in my life ken are you kidding me this is crazy he said please i said please just take him out do me a favor please and then so he goes all right come on he, said, he called a player with it to me he goes hey he goes what are you doing oh he goes jesus christ you do stink get your butt in the locker room. <laughs> 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 that was one of the funniest stories i heard I mean, that i had on the court Kicking a guy out for passing gas on the court. How about? I don't know if we can top that or not. Anything that a fan said to you that's uh, that was funny. Well, you know, it, it's so funny because they they always got these 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 sayings like, uh, "Hey ref, your phone's ringing. You missed that call," and stuff like that, all that kind of stuff. But I tell you what, and this was this is no no joke, and I, I am not kidding. <laughs> We're refereeing a, a, a girls' varsity game, me and my partner, and my partner was running down the floor, and that imaginary free throw lane line extended, jumped up in the air and grabbed his foot. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something. He stumbled all the way down to the baseline where he finally fell, and the, the lady, this, this lady that was sitting there uh, on the side of him, went down and she was looking at him. She goes, uh, do you need for me to pick you up, sir? And I'm standing there, and I'm looking at him, and I go down to him, and next thing I know, the lady wants to take him home. She wants to date him. <laughs> Was oh it a success God. or not? Pardon me? Did they date? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I, no. I, needless to say, uh, that was not a good uh uh, a, a good look for him to uh, for that, but it was just the principle of the thing of you know when you want to pick someone up, there's more definitions from picking someone up than just picking them up the floor or picking them up from a date. 
Great stuff, Ken. Uh, really good interview. Uh, some really good things that you said. I, I want to thank Ken McLean for taking time out of his schedule today to be part of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Frelick podcast. Ken, I, I appreciate the time. I think a lot of officials are going to get some uh, really good stuff out of here, and the stories were fantastic. You're yep, thank I appreciate it. Thank you so it. much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless.